God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Anybody here go hiking? Okay. Have you ever been in the woods or the mountains, you're following the trail, and suddenly the trail just disappears? What do you do? Carrie, what do you do? Search. Search. Lynn? Go, go around for a while and hope for the best. You look at your map. You try to figure out what you've done wrong. Maybe you'd start backtracking. You say, all right, I'm sure I came this way. If I go back this way, I'll find the trail again. Everybody does it a little bit differently. But everybody, I think, who's been hiking knows that feeling of, where did the trail go? And that little sinking feeling where it's been a minute and you still haven't found it. Hold on to that. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. Now Stephen is the one who's gazing into heaven here. The last couple of weeks we've heard stories from the beginning of the church, the first few weeks of its life. How people sacrificed out of love to make sure that those who stayed in Jerusalem would be able to eat and to continue to learn about Jesus. But a problem arose. The widows who were speaking Greek they were being missed out for the distribution of food. And the apostles, the apostles, I think, handled it well. They didn't get defensive. They didn't say, now, don't criticize your church. Don't criticize your leadership. No, they called the church together and said, listen, we understand. We can't stop doing what we're called to do to deal with the problem of making sure that the food's being distributed. Pick from amongst yourselves seven who are full of wisdom in the Holy Spirit, and we'll turn it over to them. And so the early church prayed, and they picked seven men with Greek names to be the first deacons. And Stephen's the first one of those men listed. Now as chapter 6 progresses, we find him talking with members of a synagogue in Jerusalem. The people meeting at that particular synagogue are from the Roman provinces in Libya, Egypt, and Turkey. They're Jewish, but they're from the diaspora. They grew up somewhere else. They primarily speak Greek. They have an accent. They dress probably a little bit differently than their brethren that grew up there in Judea or Galilee. And after they argue for a while, they get mad with him. And so they drag Stephen before the leaders. And when the leaders ask him to explain what's up, why they're mad at him, he preaches. He talks about God's plan, taking them through a large swath of God's history with his people, starting with Moses and working his way through the Old, Old Testament and how it all culminates with Jesus. And then he sees Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and he says something. He says, look, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And those that are listening, they seem to accuse him of blasphemy, or at least that's what their actions show, right? They cover their ears. They start yelling, probably. They grab him. They don't put him on trial. They just grab him and take him outside the city and start to stone him. Now, our namesake, St. Paul, was there that day. Except back then, he was a young man named Saul. And it says Saul kept the cloaks who were going to stone him. Why was Saul there? It's worth noting that he grew up in Tarsus, which is in Cilicia, which is in modern Turkey. His province is one of the ones listed as where the people in the synagogue come from. It's not unlikely that maybe young Saul was there that day and listened to Stephen. Maybe he was part of the argument, maybe he wasn't. But when they drug him down, he seems to have come with them. And what does Stephen say to all this? 
When he starts being stoned, not what you'd expect. He had called them uncircumcised in heart, telling them they're not willing to change when he was preaching. Does he do that again? No. He doesn't yell out in anger or frustration. He followed the example of his Lord. And he says this, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he died. He followed the example of our Savior, and he gave. Our psalm this morning says, Into your hands I commend my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, O God of truth. Now David, writing centuries before Jesus writes these words, these words, David's put his trust in God. And David says here that God is going to be his refuge, his strong rock, his castle, his crag, his stronghold. But not just a place where he can go and run to. He says God's going to take him out of the net if his enemies catch him. God's going to rescue him. He says God's the tower of my strength. And after extolling God for all of his protection, after telling God he trusts him to get him out of it, out of any trap the enemy lays for him, he says, into your hands I commend my spirit. In the end, all David knows is that he can trust God. He can trust what God has done in the past. That, th that in the end, God will do what he thinks is best. Right? My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant. And in your loving kindness, save me. David knew that God's loved him. And that Jesus knew the Father had loved him when he said these same words centuries later. All either one of them could do is put themselves in God's care. Years after our Acts reading, Peter wrote, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation. He's encouraging the church to quit looking around for other sources of life, but to focus on Jesus. If that's the nourishment that you've already received and it was good nourishment, go back to it is what he's trying to tell them. Why? Because Jesus is the living stone. He was rejected by those in authority, but chosen by God. And we're to join him in being made a living house of worship, a holy priesthood, one that's not tainted by this broken world to offer worship. Why? He's quoting Isaiah here, right? I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will be not be put to shame. Isaiah's writing about the fact that in his days, the leaders were largely corrupt. And when they were called on to change, they wouldn't change. And God says, listen, I'm putting down a new cornerstone. I'm building a new temple, one that can never be corrupted. And Peter here is saying that Jesus was the cornerstone. And if we put our trust in him, we'll not worry about whether he's ever corrupt or whether he'll ever abandon us. No, we'll not be shamed to put our trust into him. He can be a stumbling block to those who don't believe. But he's called us, his new siblings, to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. That's what our good shepherd wants us to be, secure in his love and striving to show that love to others. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now we find ourselves in our gospel story back on Monday, Thursday. Jesus has had his last dinner, that first communion with his disciples. Their feet have been washed. Judas left the group to go do what he's going to do. And Peter says, I'll never deny you, Lord, in the face of Jesus telling him he'll do it three times before the cock crows. 
And then, after all of that, he tells them not to be troubled. Why? Because Jesus is going to prepare a place for them, for his people in his Father's house. He says, in that house are many rooms, room enough for all of us. Jesus tells them, and you know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas speaks out, but Lord, I don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? The disciples, I think, are still confused and maybe a little scared. Still not sure about what's going to happen. And I think Thomas here, he just wants clear marching orders. Jesus, which way do we go to follow you? He's thinking very literally here. Jesus, where do we find heaven? Now remember, just a few weeks ago, as Jesus went to go and resurrect Lazarus, Thomas was the one who turned to the other disciples and said, well, let us go with him so that we can die with him. And Jesus tells him, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now last week we heard Jesus try to explain in the gospel that he was the good shepherd, that he was there to lead and guide the sheep and be with them. But then he also said he's the sheep gate, the way for someone to become one of his sheep in the first place. Now he's saying, I am the way. I'm the path that's going to get you there. He's reminding Thomas and the others to trust and to follow him. Just like when we find ourselves out of sorts in the woods. We head back and follow the path. He says, I am the truth. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You don't need to put your trust anywhere else. And he's the life. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We say these words every Sunday. He died, Paul said, and returned to life so that he could be the Lord of both the living and the dead. Philip now looks at him and says, Jesus, listen, let us see the Father. Then we'll trust you. Then we'll be satisfied. Stop for a moment and think about the audacity of that statement. Moses, yeah, that Moses, the one from the Ten Commandments, right? From the movies. That one asked God at one point, God, I'm getting frustrated here. Just show me your face. So I'll know it's really you. And what does God tell Moses? If you'll see my face, you'll die. But you can see my back. Because you won't survive if you look on me cold. And now Philip's telling Jesus, Hey, Jesus, do us one better than Moses had it. Show us the Father. And Jesus says, I've been with you all this time, Philip. Do you still not know me? I am the Father, and the Father is in me. I'm not doing this under my own authority. Everything I'm doing is according to his plan. And if you're having a hard time, like Philip and like Thomas, were grasping how all of this works. He says, just believe the works of God you've seen with your own eyes. And then Jesus promises that those who believe in him can do whatever they ask in his name. Now this passage from John is the gospel I've preached here since I became your priest the most. Why? It's my preferred sermon for funerals. Jesus' promise here is direct and it's powerful. That through him, by entering the sheep gate, by following the path, by putting our trust in him and his promises, God will take care of us. And God will bring us into his house. That is the path that we can't get lost on. That God will keep us safe through the storms of life. He's our rock in our castle. The stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone of the new kingdom and that he loves us. Stephen could be confident expressing that Jesus was there. And we can take great comfort 
Because Jesus has promised he went to prepare a place for us. We can take comfort in that great hope. Amen. As you're able this evening, please stand with me. Let's affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. May they all may be one. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. We pray for Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Daniel, our bishop, Jeremiah, our priest, Emmanuel, bishop in western Tanganyika, and Elias, bishop in Tabora, Tanzania, and all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for Joe, our president, and Josh, our governor, and for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. That our works may find favor in your sight. We pray for compassion on Mark Sarienko, Kim Harrington, Corey Freeman, Bishop Sadik, Fran Ford, Brandon Newfer, Jane Kennedy, Donna Milchner, Jim Downey, Nancy Constable, Dan Olson, Jill Downey, Bob Rose, Jenny Steerling, Henry Cadwallader, Nicole Young, Jane Robbins, Artie Carter, Hazel Pancoast, Jim Burkholder, and Dave Force, and all who suffer from any grief or trouble. That they may be delivered from their distress. Giving thanks for the life and memory of Edward and Anna Schultz, Lewis and Carrie Shepherd, and William and Elaine Shepherd. Give to the departed eternal rest. 
praise you for your saints who've entered into joy. And we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. Let us pray for our own needs and those of others, either silently or aloud. Almighty and eternal God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, mercifully accept the prayers of your people and strengthen us to do your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor, kneeling as we are able. Most merciful God,
chiefly are we bound to praise in the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. For he is a true pastor lamb who has sacrificed for us and has taken away the sin of the world. By his death he has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again he has won for us everlasting life. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself. And when we've fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. When he had given thanks to you, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took a cup of wine. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to feed for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask of your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ hath taught us, we are bold to say, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Christ our Passover sacrifice for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. O Lamb of God, who takes away 
Our next service of healing prayers will be on March 27th and March 28th, following each service. 
to start May. That'll be the next, this is the month we're in, is May, not March. Our baby shower continues until Mother's Day. We have one more week. Uh, we will be at Old Union at 9.30 next Sunday morning, so um, just be aware if you come here at 9.30, we'll be over there. Um, my institution celebration of new ministries on Saturday, May the 20th. Um, really hope everyone who's able to can be there. It's going to be a beautiful service. Our bishop will be here. We'll have a lot of visitors. And we'll have lunch following, so come and get a free lunch, too. Um, the Wednesday after that, Wednesday, March the 24th, the women of St. Paul are having a planning meeting in the evening. We're still in May. We're not in March. I don't know why my brain is in March. On May the 24th, we will have um, our next our planning meeting for the bazaar. There'll be some changes, I think, to the bazaar this year, and there'll be a chance for everyone to have their input. So uh, the meeting will be at about 7.15, or come for compliment 7, and it'll be immediately following. Do we have any other prayer requests or, or sorry? Do we have any other announcements this evening? Anyone, every, anybody else get up early and watch the coronation? I, I do watch. <laughs> I, watch I, I got invited to a, a, a group. Of, there were several of us who were asked to come uh, and be at a meeting of the British Officers Club here in Philadelphia. Uh, we then participated in a prayer service after the coronation. It was a beautiful morning, but I've been up since, oh goodness, entirely too early. So if my brain's not here this week, that's why. But it was a beautiful coronation. I thought Archbishop Justin gave a, beautifully, a beautiful and short sermon about the responsibilities of leadership, and I had just a great time. But it made, it's made for a long day so far. So, any other announcements I have forgotten? If you'll stand with me this evening, I'm sure you'll pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, go in peace to love and serve our risen Lord.